I'm a lot taller than Eagle, that's for sure. So my thing about Eagle is who the hell would want to want to capture him and keep him? Um, they're just thinking catching leprechauns. <laughs> they bring you to the pot of gold. Yeah, yeah. guys, the pot of gold is gold in the in the for you. Why would you do that? Um, I guess so. How's the how's the season going? It's all good. It's up and doing quite well. Yeah, we are four and zero, three and one. Asterix. Uh, we're looking good. I mean, it's fun. Uh, we're, we just wanted to make a fun team. We did, and we're successful. That's what I mean. He's very calm. He's changed a lot. I'm glad. Well, I, I played yeah. with uh, Jimmy Galano when we were rookies, and I played him last season. You were, we played a couple games together, too, too. Yeah. And, like, I thought he was an excellent presence on the team. I had no issues at all. Uh, referees trust to complain about him. But even when he wasn't doing anything wrong, by the way. It's just that he has – Yeah, he had built that reputation. So now you're kind of expecting it out of him. Well, but, like, sometimes – Okay, look. I love our referees. To be honest, our referees do an excellent play of the job. We have the best mm-hmm. referees. However, I have a situation since today. Referee calls uh, five plays. Team, other team scores a touchdown. At the point, we get the ball. How many plays are left? Okay, explain it again. So you scored okay, a touchdown, five, five plays. plays. There's five plays. EZW scores a touchdown. Okay. They, they convert. Yeah. How many plays are left? Uh, they convert, so four. Yeah, four plays. So now... Yes, fourth and uh, fourth and one. Throw up a jump ball. It's intercepted. Whatever. Don't care. It's last play of the half. Uh, Jeremy White return at the half field before getting the flag. Right. Yes. They called that. All right. Then both teams are walking off the field. Because everybody knows the rules except for the two people that should. Last play is when we're told. So How? EZW had extra play. J- you know they're like sure why not? Uh, referees didn't understand why I was upset. By the way. Um, Did you explain to them after? Then the ball got picked off, <laughs> and unfortunately, um, it was not it was not returned to the play. But that would have been awesome. Imagine getting an extra play and it turns to a pick six. It doesn't fucking make sense. No, but uh, you know, no, nah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump into that. Yeah, it was. Uh, the refs is not my thing. It just uh, again, I, I think they did a great job. It just we're all screaming, yelling, it's great. Just at the end of the game, I said it was a little mistake. You saw both teams walk off the field. You think EZW was like, yeah, you know what? We're going to give them a free play from half field. Why not? Um, there's some some good referees in the lower division. I feel like we see that pretty often. Um, there's a couple of guys I want to bring up. A, a guy I played with in the past. Uh, I played with Barrero Perrin. He works for us out of Mumbai. Um, he's been playing with me too with Mr. Webster. Um, and you see, you see him
So my theory on rushers is that if you could do it in the lower divisions, you can do it in the higher divisions. The reason for that is that every rusher that's it. Every every rusher has kind of developed through the lower ranks. If you look at the is the best example. Uh, Zach Albert Gills, another good example. Chris Millard, another good example. Ryan Aridi, Hall of Famer, another good example. All these guys that played Div 1 all started in Division 4, 5, especially Jeanne Pema. Jeanne Pema was playing in Division 6 and 5, and he won three championships and a, and a, a quote-unquote player, the fin uh, M finals MVP. Because Jonathan Maher got it, but Jonathan Maher gave it to okay. Jeanne Pema. He won, yeah. He didn't win, but he won. Yeah, it's the episode of Asterisks. What? It's the episode of Asterisks. It is absolutely. Um, but I, you know, I remember having you on Mo saying, "Well, so Mo, when he's playing Division Five, which is not Division One Thousand." One second. Apparently, your mic doesn't work. I don't know how. How much of the show has not has been louder? I have no idea. I can hear you. I know you can hear me, but am I muted or not? No, you've been fine the entire time. Uh, take that, Mike. Um, I'm just going to double there. fist it. It works? Yeah, much better. Hey, you just heard you very low on the other one. Well, I'm not repeating everything I said. Nah, it's all good. It wasn't important anyway. Um, I just I always thought it was funny to be like, hey, you know, this guy is X division talented. But even just because we haven't seen him play in a higher division, he can't play in the higher division. But we, we just started by saying we don't know whether or not he can, right? So, especially position like rusher, I think it's something that's easy to transition. You either have the athleticism to do it at any level or you don't. Um, and I think, to your point, again, if you can do it, and we've seen guys who not who aren't even particularly fast, guys like Zachary Albertskill, guys like uh, Matt Kerouac, who's never the fastest guy, uh, be able to, ha to be... You know, in the case of Matt Kerouac, a Hall of Fame rusher. And, and you know, for that matter, Ryan Reedy, too, is not the fastest rusher in FPF. No, Ryan Reedy was never a fast rusher. He was always just um, very smart. Kerouac, too. Kerouac's the best rusher to be able to get to Kevin Wyeth, who's considered the best quarterback in the NFL. In the NFL. In the NFL. Yeah, Jesus. in Flag Plus. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not how fast you are. And I've seen so many, so many fast guys just kind of blow right by quarterbacks. I know? love fast rushers. But they're I think one step and they're ten. They're ten. Oh yeah, for younger. a guy like you, you kind of just move your hip and they're gone. Yeah. You know. So with guys like, like the guys that just named, like Chris Millard is a very fast player, but he comes at you quick and then he slows down. Jeanette Pimont comes at you quick, slows down. Kirwak gets gets into your lane. Ryan Aridi is very smart. He knows where to get the flag. Uh, Zach Albert Gill is not the fastest guy. Very athletic. He just knows how to do it. And he makes a lot of diving sacks. So like, there's everybody has a different way of rushing. 
It's not the fastest guy that's going to be the best rusher. But everybody puts their fast guy at rusher all the time. Yeah, I mean, look, speed helps, but it it's not the only tool. Like it's it, it's a con- it's a, people look at it as you're running in a straight line 25 times a game, but it's a it's a very complex position in that the angle you take, the way you break down, the the. The, the, your ability to to gauge uh, where you are in, in in relation to the quarterback and what he's going to do, how to when, how and when to put your arms up, how and when to go for the flag, all of these things are instinctual and very difficult to teach. Um, we have a good show planned ahead. We have uh, myself and Terry, Terry filling in for Eagle. Uh, we're coming off, uh, the reason why Terry made that NFL mistake is we're coming off our Hot Sauce f- Sports episode. For those of you who have not caught it, remember you can catch us at hotsaucesports.ca on Facebook, on YouTube. Remember to watch, like, and subscribe. Yep, that was a free plug because I am uh, my own boss in the media and I get to do what I want. Um, so, free plug it is. Uh, we have some guests on. and Our first guest is Andrew Langford who will be joining us in a second. He talks to us a lot about a variety of of uh teams and andrew joins us right now andrew how's it going buddy good how are you Pete? i'm doing quite well buddy doing quite well i'm saying uh, fpf misses you we we miss seeing you out on the field yeah i've never played fpf cup maybe i'll do it next year but i definitely miss it too man i i just play hockey once a week now it's pretty freaking boring honestly <laughs> i used to i used to always say man like i used to be like oh i love the fall because we get a break from fpf my body can recover and and like you know i get really excited for winter and now that like fpf cup has hit and i played now two straight uh two straight falls after sitting out the first one um i, I i'm like you know what um i don't want to break anymore i just want to play all year long if i can it's a it's uh i would miss it too much i don't know how you're doing it yeah, I see. I feel like it also it's also a good time to try out a bunch of stuff because yeah. there's some games that are technically meaningless. But yeah, well, what's what's happened for for me is um, it's put me in some interesting positions where uh, right now I'm in tier two, right? So I've played teams yeah. that I, I wouldn't have played as like as playing a quarterback. I wouldn't have played against these teams necessarily. I just faced off yeah. against EZW this past week, and we'll talk about EZW in a second. Uh, and yeah. I and I got to face off against Robbie Robinson's team uh, last. You know, I got I got to to play against Robbie Robinson at quarterback, which is kind of like a fun moment. I never thought I'd be playing against a guy who's basically a Division yeah. Two caliber quarterback, right? So, um, yeah, it it creates these situations where you're never gonna see that in FPF season. So it's it's a bit of a different feel, and I feel like um, one thing I've noticed is it really capitalizes on the um, camaraderie and and, and the um, the environment of uh, the fun environment that FPF has created over the years. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. The only thing that I would say is a bit confusing is the, the schedule and everything characters. that goes on there. Like, I, I, I work with Terrence, Terrence Adams, who, by the way, promises, I know we're going to talk about STL, but he promises that uh, he's going to have a 20-sack season. But I said, you know, are you going to do it in eight games? Because I'm pretty sure that's how many games are on the schedule. He's like, isn't there 10 games? So there's we're just confused about that. But, plus a uh, playoff round. So. You, there are as many as ten games. I'll, I'll explain it quickly. Actually, now that now that you yeah. brought that up, Andrew, is, oh. there's a so a little bit of history. We're, uh, it, it is the season to try things if you're an FPF player, but it is definitely a season to try things if you're FPF because it's a different format. We didn't want to just have another regular season uh, for worry that it might get monotonous. So we came up with the idea of the cup. Now, because there's a lot less teams, a lot less field availability, so less teams can play in Fall Cup. The difference, the, the 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 variance between the best team and the worst team is far great is far more prevalent than it is uh, when we have a regular FPF season. 
So for example, you might get one Division One team that registers and 25 Division Six teams. So um, for that reason, we need to find a way to sort of counteract that and, and find ways the teams can be more creative and because it can be more competitive. And because they aren't the typical rosters necessarily that you see during the, during the, the, the regular season, we don't often know how good or bad teams will be when they're in the fall. So we have an initial round, uh, what we right. call the preliminary round, which is this time around is four games. We have another four games uh, that will help slot teams into a playoff round of which each bracket of six will see four teams make that round. There'll be one playoff game and then a bowl cup final. So you can play a maximum of 10 games in the fall. Right, right. Um, so it's eight games with the ability to play up to 10. Um, it is a little confusing, and our website doesn't allow for us to like post projected schedules of like, you know, X team versus Y or wh however would be represented right. in a way that people can see the future. Unfortunately, just we came up with this idea after we came up with the website, so it's not built for what we want to do. But that's sort of to clear up uh, a little bit of the confusion. I hope anyone watching that uh, gets a clear picture. Those who do not understand it, feel free to contact us directly, and we'll be glad to explain it to you. I will be glad to send your emails to Simon Dajne. Um, <laughs> Andrew, we talked a little bit about EZW a second ago. Yeah. Uh, I got to face them firsthand. I'm, first of all, very imp impressed by Jeremy White. Um, as a yeah. quarterback, 77.6% completion percentage in the preliminary round. However, I'm here to say he's a cheater. <laughs> Why is so, that, please? So I want to know what you guys think about this. Cause, so I've been on rules committee. I know there's no rule against this. This, this isn't uh, particularly described as a fly guard. So he, while running, does this thing where he kind of like squats down and ducks and... And the, the obvious, usually you know, the rusher or tackler will miss him and he'll just bounce back up and keep running. And it takes incredible athleticism. It looks impressive as hell when he does it. But when he does it, like his arms kind of drop with him. So like people are physically grabbing his arms where his flag used to be. So I don't know if we should term that uh, flag guarding or not. Um, it's the first time I've, I've had to play against it even though I don't I don't play defense on that team I saw the the, the faces on, on my defense frustrated as all hell as he continued to break tackles left and right so not yeah. the rules but what do you guys think about that I'll start with you Andrew and I'll, I'll open the floor to Terry and we'll get to hear his thoughts on it as well um, yeah just just a little point about EZW before we get into um, Jeremy White more specifically on that, on that duck move uh, their offense is always insane his numbers are always insane um, he takes an, an insane amount of sacks, uh, which he, he somehow makes up. But um, I know I played against them that when I was on the process. And if they could just bring their D from like averaging 30 points a game against to like, you know, 22. Uh, I know that the other teams get a lot of possessions because they score so quickly. But if they can just ramp up their D a little bit, I think they'll become serious, serious contenders yeah. because they have so much potential and they're so dangerous on offense. And it's it's an offense-driven league, right? Yeah, like, come on. They allow 39 points to Ps. Yeah, that, that's exactly. That's an exactly. issue. Um, that being said, the, the duck move, I think he stole it uh, once there, there was a video posted, I think, in the yeah. FPF Facebook group. And I think he, he used it from that. It does take crazy athleticism. I find it slows you down a lot. But nothing uh, slows I, him down. <laughs> he's so yeah, fast. I, it's I, insane. I think, I think he, he, he's actually incredible at like avoiding the, the sack by just give, like showing you the front of his, of his body and not showing you the, the flags where they are in the back. Yeah. I think he's actually better at that one, especially in higher divisions. But 
Um, I'm fine with it. I think it's innovative. I think it's creative. I don't think we should take it away. And for anybody who's athletic enough to pull it off, we should, we should keep it in. Terry? So I know exactly what you're talking about. Blanchard explained to me what Jeremy Way was doing. And I noticed he does it. He did it on one of the Game of the Weeks that he was yeah. in. And I think it's crazy. It is super athletic. But yeah, you're, at Langer, you're right. You do slow down. But if you're just trying to get into the corner of the end zone, then fuck it. Or if you're just trying to avoid the rusher, let's say, like... Or, see, avoiding the rusher, I have. I feel like it's a. It should be different, a, kind of like a different rule. Okay. Because if you're running bean lining and you're kind of like just trying to cut somebody up and get into the end zone, I don't see an issue with kind of just like lowering your hips. And if your arms fall, and if I'm going for the flag and I hit your arm, then that's a flag guard. But his arms kind of fall when he does it. But if, that but being only, said, though, only if I can, only if my hand yeah. hits his hand. That being said, though, Pease. Uh, there is a rule, like the reason why we can't jump is because we're changing our flag level, right? Yeah, it's for safety. Right. I agree with you um, on whatever you're about to say because I know exactly what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. So, so like, is smarter than us, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but technically speaking, it, it would be, you know, changing your flag level, but it's it's not enough of a rule where I think we should change it in the sense that like on a spin move or on like a juke or something, like I know personally when I when I juke, like my hips, duck down just to help support my body because if i did it straight legs i I would just snap my leg every single time yeah uh but if if the basis of you know the rule of not jumping is is um not changing your flag level um then technically speaking i guess we should we should make it against the rules because you are drastically changing your flag level by ducking down like that but i I think it's so jeremy white doesn't jeremy white doesn't do it in a way that's particularly dangerous, but I can see a guy lowering his shoulder because he's dropping his flag level, and then it becomes a safety concern. You know what I mean? So right, like, there is right. that component of it that I actually didn't think about till this conversation. So you learned something new by having con- con- contributors on the show, Terry. But it should be that <laughs> Langberg interpreted the rule properly. If I can't jump, then why can I drop? Mm-hmm. You know what Gravity. I mean? It should be the same rule. Yeah, it should be the exact same rule. You're changing your level. The rule written is you can't change your level. So if you're dropping, it's because you're changing your level. So my f- the rule should have always been to me, whatever you do cannot gain yards. Mm-hmm. So if he's going to drop his hips, he can't, gain, he can't gain yards. If I'm going to jump... Well, but that's like a flag guard. You're dead on the spot. Exactly. If I'm going to jump, then I shouldn't be able to gain yards either. If I'm jumping on spot and landing, then fine. It should be okay. And the worst is I actually see referees allow people jumping because like, they get deflected and he didn't gain an advantage. I'm like, but if someone catches a knee to the face, then it doesn't matter if they gain yards or not. Exactly. I, I actually find uh, with, with the jumping, people do it a lot on their spin moves, and it's not called yeah. because it's part of a spin. Well, so it's it says in the rule book actually, if it's part of a, you know, like if it's part of a spin or juke, it's you know it can't be considered like a, it's specifically like a leap forward is what they want to avoid. Okay. Okay. I feel you. Okay. Um. So yeah. So it's interesting. Um. Of, of the two guys, Jeremy White and Steele Levine, wh- who has more potential, Jeremy White as a quarterback or Steele Levine as a receiver? I'm going to go with Theo as a receiver, purely based on athleticism. Because uh, I've seen that guy cut some guys up like, and embarrass them straight up. So if he actually took the time to hone his craft and not just become like a, a decent receiver and he actually cared about route running and moving up divisions and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think the sky is the limit for him. He's a, he's a big kid. He's got speed and moves and hands and everything. Um, so I, I know that he, he's a QB, but if he if he really wanted to play upper division and, and hold his craft, I think uh, the sky's the limit for him. Whereas Jeremy White, 
I think in the upper divisions, um, the amount of sacks that he takes holding on to the ball and, and things like that would, would, would hurt him. You know what? I say, like I was, I was again, I was incredibly impressed. And I, I spoke to Jeremy after the game. I was just from the first time I'd seen him to game of the week to seeing him now, uh, you know, live in front of me and being frustrated that like, Jesus Christ, we can't get a stop on these guys. Um, I was I was very impressed, but the one if I had to find a criticism, and I'm really splitting hairs, uh, one the only criticism I would say is he often looks to beat the rusher before sort of scrambling yeah. to make a play. Where Agreed. Sometimes if you just just make your read and and don't you can beat the rusher when you need to beat the rusher. You don't have to beat the rusher to then make your read. You know, so you're 100 percent right. If you can get that and next sorry. level, you'll be get better. Sorry, go ahead. Does it, we have a little bit of delay. Yeah, no, no. Sorry, it's just because no, you um, you brought up a good point because. When we played him with the process, we played them in the regular season and the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took Justin Frankel's a good rusher. I think Justin sacked him like six times in one game because he wasn't able to dance him, and that's what he was trying to do before he got to his reads. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know he would t- you know uh, carve us up in the first half, and then in the second half in the playoffs, I think they scored like six points after scoring like twenty something in the first half because we just. Uh, we're like, okay, let you know, let let him to try to dance on us, take away his first read kind of thing, and then he gets into trouble. So that's also where I guess I'm saying that his ceiling is a bit capped in that sense, unless he's able to change it because he's obviously he puts up numbers that are that are ridiculous. But that's mm-hmm. where I just think Co can separate himself from Jeremy. It's not to take anything away from him, but I think um, Co Levine's ceiling I, I can not necessarily right away, but if uh, if he wanted to, he could definitely play Division One uh, as a receiver. Um. Other than STL's only, uh, so sorry, uh, STL's only loss was a technicality. Uh, Terry yeah. the Rat Tam wrote into FPF and said, "Hey, uh, <laughs> Paul Apiro wasn't allowed to throw a pass. Throw over the cap." I didn't do it. <laughs> Terry the Rat Tam. No, it wasn't me. I swear. Eagle called me, and he goes, "Eagle the Rat Tam." Yeah, he goes, he goes, "You guys won." I said, "How?" He said, "Paul Pierre threw a touchdown." I said, "Okay, we don't want the win." And he said, "Well, you have to have it." I didn't <laughs> want. It. I told him because we're gonna end up in the high tier. Yeah, so I was like, I don't want to. We we ended up going undefeated, but I didn't want that fucking that win. So Terry the Rat Time uh, complained and got the win. Who actually we, won just, that game? Uh, STL won the game by a touchdown. Okay, it was more than that, but no, it, did the, you the guys reason, in junk time? No. Yes. No. The reason why is that Paul appeared threw a touchdown, and then we wanted to play our last play, so we played them. Mm-hmm. If we hadn't played them, they would have they would have kept the W. From what Eagle told me, because it was the last play of the game, it doesn't matter. It didn't affect the game. Okay, so like you would have said, if if it didn't affect the game, he's like, but they by scoring that touchdown, they put you, they won by eleven, and which is true. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. So, um, the po- my question though, after all that, that nobody cared about, was other than week one where they faced a, a good team, and it was it was Vinny Galano's return at quarterback and all that, but they faced they faced um, uh, Vinny's Huffman. Have uh, have STL truly been tested? Um, we saw them on game of the week versus all hooks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think junkyard dogs are not a tier one team, regardless of where they finished. Well, they um, both, both all hooks and, um, and junkyard dogs are, are falling into the lower bracket of tier one. Okay. They are falling into the lower. Okay. I thought they were in the, the top tier of tier one. Well, okay. um, all hooks is one in three. Terry, can you, can you double check that link that Rob sent to see if, uh, Junkyard dogs are in fact in the lower tier. I believe they're in the lower the lower bracket. Okay, uh, but e- either way, I mean, um, <clears throat> Vinny Huffman they technically beat them. I know it's a technicality, but 
Um, and then with uh, BYOB and Mathieu Rene, I mean, the guy's putting up crazy numbers. So, yes, I think they were tested, and I think they're serious threats. Um, I, sorry, I speak to Terrence. Sorry, Andrew, but uh, JYD is in the upper half. They are in the upper half. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that they they are a serious team. Every year they're contenders. They, they've won, I think, Division Two before. Um, the core of the team remains the same with Jamie, Terrence, and Dylan, and Seth, and... Um, I think that you know they 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 should be taken seriously regardless of what tier they fall into for sure. When I looked at the at the rosters at the beginning of the season, I thought STL was going to kill everybody. I thought so too. They've had a weak schedule. Mm-hmm. The one game that was a toss up was against us, and they won technically. Well, but they also they also won by only a single point to all hooks. I th- I, I saw that game. It was a really tight game. Yeah, like very tight. And like they they beat BYOB, but. You know, fifty-two forty-nine. Like it's yeah. It it they haven't they haven't smoked a team really. I mean, they beat up on Junkyard Dogs, but you know, Junkyard Dogs are probably like the one of the lower caliber teams in this yeah, division. Sure. Like again, nothing against them. They're a very good team. It just we it played them this week. We beat them by four points, and uh, we had six guys only, but they played well. Well, they're, they're, I'm not saying they're a bad team. It's just that they're not. You know, STL is what like a a borderline Division One caliber team. Um, this version of it, anyway. This version is a Division Two team. Would they fit Division Two? They would fit in Division Two. Okay, so fine. Still, uh, Junkyard Dogs are not a Division Two team, right? So no. Um, then, at that point, you know that that team is the is the only team that that really really was no challenge for them. So, um, do you think it's something that they can iron out, or do you think it's something that'll that'll plague them uh, as they face harder and harder competition moving forward? Um, I think they've been there. It's not like they're an inexperienced team. I mean, it's very rare to be an inexperienced team in, in higher tiers, but um, they have they definitely have the roster to, you know, face adversity um, and, and play tough for competition. It obviously a lot of it hangs on Dylan Taylor and you know what he looks like uh, in those games. Uh, but if he's on, I mean, they're nearly impossible to stop. Yeah, that's true. Um... Team Ethnic has added Ben Lawler to the roster in the past couple of seasons. He's been a hell of a find. Andrew, you play quarterback. What is it schematically that makes him so effective? Um, from experience playing against him, he uses the whole field very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, seams down the sidelines. Uh, I think if you can take away the deep balls, um, he doesn't really throw short. He really uses intermediate, like deep ends or seams and flies uh, on the outside. So he's also um, like some quarterbacks are able to read them just based on like how they set their feet and you know like if they need to set their feet to to to, to get you know the maximum amount of power on their throws to, to get it to the right place and spot. He doesn't even need to be set. Mm-hmm. So his arm strength is incredibly impressive and. Uh, it makes you guard the entire field, um, which is obviously a, a really hard thing to do. And um, he gets the ball out quick. So you, you've definitely got to be um, ready for, for anything. And he, and he knows how to use his players to their strengths, too. Another team you're familiar with, the Rogues. Three of their four wins have come against Voodoo, Fifi Saban, and Untouchables. Uh, either team like Voodoo lacks uh, speed, and, and the other team's. Are are someone inexperienced? Um, 
how much stock do we put into their success so far? Um, I think that the you know we we've learned this in SPF before. Like, talent doesn't win all the time, but it, it can at least get you far. Um, and I think that's the case uh, with Rogues. Uh, they've been to the finals before, so I, I'd, I'd imagine if they do face some sort of adversity from like facing tougher competition, that they'll be able to handle it or have, have at least grown from you know, a finals loss. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think that should be, you know, you should be a victim of, of what your schedule looks like. If you, if you went 4-0, you went 4-0. Um, you know what it takes to win. And um, I, I think they have one of the best players in the division in, in Benji Ziegler. And, um, you know, we've spoken about him before, Pease. But I think that uh, I'm sure they'll be tested in the, in the knockout round and, and, and in the playoffs. But, um yeah, I, I believe in them. I, I think regardless of what their schedule looks like, I, I do believe in them. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Andrew, for joining us. So we'll get back to you in a week or two. Uh, thanks again no for problem. your insight. It's, it's, it's impressive. I like talking to Andrew Terry just because it's a guy who's been an effective quarterback in FPF and a guy who's been an effective defender in FPF. So getting his, his perspective is, is really uh, unique at a guy who's played at uh, low levels and high levels of FPF alike. What year did you come into the league? Like, just, uh... Woof. Uh, probably 2012 with the Coyotes. Yeah, been in the league for a long time. Yeah, we, we used to do like one season a year, and then I joined with my buddies, and then you know the Fetters left, so we created a new core. And yeah, um, yeah, no, it's been uh, definitely been a, a blast for sure. It's the best league out there. I think we all know that. It's funny because we Langwood and I were talking. I guess it was like months ago in a Facebook chat, and he asked me a question. And then when I went into our chat today to ask him for his phone number, I noticed I didn't answer the question. The question was, because I told him, I said, you'd be a pretty good outlet in, like, the higher divs. And his question to me was, do you think Division 3 is a high div? And I said, no. I said, like, 1 and 2 for me are the higher divisions. Yeah. And I do think that Langbert would be a very good outlet in, like, Division 2 and 1. And I agree. You know, a lot of people just don't get the opportunity. You know, he, he doesn't well, look the part, you know? Literally what we talked about in the first segment. Exactly. Yeah. Who knows, Terry Tom, maybe we'll, maybe we'll recruit me one day. Yeah, one day, one day. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Andrew, for, for joining us. I'll talk thanks, to you soon, you, bud. All right, ciao. Thanks, bud. Rod mashed to win down this week. Uh, it was awful. Um, I kind of saw from the corner of my eye. Yeah, he. Uh, so he's out for the season. He had dislocated his knee. It looked incredibly painful. I saw what happened out of the corner of my eye. Um, I saw him go down awkwardly. And apparently uh, the scorekeeper said he could, he could hear the pop from where he was standing. I didn't hear it, but I saw him go down. And then I saw him in a great deal of discomfort. Um, at first I just saw him come to the sideline, and I, I thought he was uh, – I thought there were like seven players, and he was taking a, taking a rep off. Uh, and then I realized he was in pain, and I, I was like, okay, nope, something's up. He's, uh, he's not all right. Uh, so I spoke to Jadaridi today. Jadaridi confirmed his injury. You know, Rod, I uh, hope all the best for you. So all hooks won that game, but they won against five guys, and the team quarterback wasn't there. Uh, at that point... But now they'll just bring in Jordan McLaren the rest of the year, and I guess who would play quarterback on that team? Um, so that's, that's what I was going to pose to you. Who do you think a, a suitable replacement would be? Um, for that offense, I was going to say Joey Taylor, but he's playing. So like, I'll give you a couple of names. Uh, Dan Lazara is out there. Oh, Dan, yeah, Dan be nice, but I think his junior season's keeping him pretty busy. Um, it's tough, man. Who's everybody's out there? Ryan Castner just subbed in for uh, for run and gun. I want to draw a blank here. 
Yeah, so but I mean, I Ryan Caster could get a release and, and then yeah, he can. Ryan Caster could be the guy. But I don't think he would. His offense would work well with them. Lazara, I think Lazara's. It's probably the best bet. He's the best quarterback to fit with them. Are they making a call to Alex Holowak? No, he won't play anyway. He won't at all. Eh? No, he won't at all. Is the guys that'd be a good call to make? Maybe he says yes to them, but to us, he said no. Yeah, he just doesn't like you, perhaps. Well, I mean, why is he playing with me? <laughs> <laughs> is there a guy like a guy like Ben Lawler? Maybe that would maybe be interested in playing. I mean, I did because no. they'd be in the lower the lower part of the tier, right? Still, Ben Lawler is not that. He's he, he throws a very good ball, but his his play calling is brutal. Yeah. Um, well, brutal in that level at that level for that for that level yeah, for, for that, that level. obviously. Lazar is your best bet, man. Then maybe if you look at like Division Three, a guy like. Somebody that can't air out the ball too much. Somebody that's going to be able to hit you in like on intermediate routes and lower routes. That's it. Somebody yeah. has a simple offense. Maybe like a Carmen Pelice. Fred Vien is already playing as well. Fred Vien is playing. Paul Lapierre would be actually be good, but he's playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those. I mean, those. Those are the guys I would think of for now. So if you if you had to pick someone stylistically, though, who would be the Lazara? Because Lazara. You don't think that the, you know, like the lack of refinement. Because that Dan's used to playing with sort of guys who are fast. No, but he would be able to use Theo Beculus so well. That's fair. He, Theo Beculus to me is one of the best players in this league. He would use him so well. And Jad too. He's already had an, a relationship with him. Jad's also. Uh, he's had a relationship with oh, Samson on the team. Um, it'd be tough. Oh, Jad's Jad's injured too. Jad, well, I think Jad's coming back sooner. Uh, Wait, it's true. He didn't play against us. He had a he has a knee injury as well. Uh, basically, it's just like a. Apparently, once the swelling goes down, he'll be back. So I don't think it's a long term injury, but. Um, that's the situation. Precaution, precautionary. Sorry, precautionary. If anyone has any thoughts or ideas about who should take their play, take uh, Rod's place, please feel free to add it in the chat. Um, at the top of tier three, and the middle of the pack, we see experienced teams. Yes. And at the bottom, we see less experienced teams. So teams like Trailer Park Boys, who started last fall, are now at the top, where where other teams like. Uh, Fifi Esa Bound, for example, that we just talked about with Andrew Langbird, uh, one and Niners, um, just a lot of the newer, uh, a lot of the newer talent. So I'll, I'll give you some of the newer talent that, that we're talking about right now, like uh, Fifi, uh, sorry, Fafi Esa Bound, Untouchables, uh, you know, replacements are, you know, I guess they've been around a little while. Lion Hearts, BDRs missed some seasons. They uh, their only win came by forfeit as well this season. Uh, but then, like teams like the Rogues, Honey Martin, Trailer Park Boys, and and you know th those teams are teams that are familiar. Lamas Pajamas started last fall as well. Fellow Midnight with Joe Lemieux as quarterback are a familiar team. Terry is fall now the hardest season. It used to be that spring was the hardest season to integrate into. Is fall now by far the hardest season to integrate into? Um, yeah, because you don't know where you're gonna get placed, right? So you don't mm -hmm. know where you're gonna end up. You try to make a team that's gonna be competitive, but you don't want to be too competitive because you don't want to play ahead of your. You don't want to punch outside of your division. So it's a lot. It's very tough to to kind of get into the groove because you're playing four games right away, and then you have a complete new set of get new set of schedule. So it kind of throws you off. So yeah, it's it's tough. It's the toughest season for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's been pretty interesting. But I will say, like you look at teams that were formed around last fall, and and again the ones that, that come to mind most immediately, uh, Lamas Pajamas, and um, I believe Trailer Park Boys are the only two. And I think I think actually. Los Bandidos might have been formed in the fall as well. Um, we see immense, immense improvement from these teams. Um, I'm kind of curious to see how that top bracket will shake out because Threat of Midnight has, in my mind, uh, 
the best quarterback of the bunch. Uh, Joe Lemieux is at one point a Division Four quarterback, has somehow sort of like played his way down into Division Six, and now is in Tier Three for the fall season. Um, I I have a hard time seeing, you know, as much as Ben Reed has impl- improved, for example, uh, as much as Lama's pajamas as a you know an overall team and their athleticism improves me. I, I, it impresses me. I don't see a team that has the quarterback to compete with Threat Little Midnight for the rest of this this competition. He's for me, Frank K. Uh, Frank K. Yeah. So Threat Threat Little Midnight is, as I agree with you, I don't think they're a tier three team. Yeah, you know I, what I mean, so. but they got placed there, so you know it's they're gonna end up moving up to their caliber. But they're the well, they the don't move up. All because tier three stays in there. Every every place. tier stays there within contained with themselves, but the tiers split as okay. higher. We got it. Because now you can play on multiple teams, so you yeah. couldn't, you can't switch tiers, right? Okay. So, so they go into a higher bracket, so that you get the, the, the tier gets reduced from uh, 20 teams to 12 teams, so they gets reduced to a a bracket of 16. So no, so nobody's eliminated yet. No one's. Everybody still gets. The eliminations eight games. will happen after the qualification round. Everybody still gets eight games. Yeah, because then that's where we decide where you qualify for the playoffs. It makes sense now, you know. Yeah, well, that's it. That's the point of today's show. We're trying to educate the people. Um, and one guy who's been helpful with educating, especially lower divisions, is a guy we're going to have on next on the show. Uh, Stefan Berardi is, go- is set to join us in a second. But in the meantime, uh, Terry, while you're getting Stefano on, um, other than Threat Level Midnight, do you see anyone who can challenge them in, div- in Tier 3? Or should I keep filibustering? So yeah. While, you get the call? Okay. while I call, while I'm calling him. So I'll pause the question because um, I look at a team like Les Auger. To me, Les Auger are playing above their level of competition. Um, and then I look at a team like um, Rogues. We talked about Rogues again. All that speed and so on and so forth. But perhaps lacking. How does nobody know what to do when the call goes through? The call's not in. The co- you only you can hear. Only him. I can hear him. Okay, great. <laughs> Um, I wish I would have <laughs> known that, Terry. Um, I, thought, I thought this is the process. Yeah. Eagle sends me a message. He goes, mute it. Nobody can hear him except for peace. peace Eagle also never explained it to me. Okay. How's it going now, Stefano? Not bad. Yourself? Stefano Berardi now joins us on the DAZN call line. Um, good, man. I'm doing good. How's your evening been so far? Uh, not bad. Can't complain. Can Terry hear me? Terry can hear you. Yes, I can hear you. Terry, I'd like to call you a coward. Yeah. Nice. For not challenging me in Madden 20. No, no, I refuse to play you because you refuse to acknowledge no, no, your level. No. You keep on saying, my I level. suck at Madden, I, I suck at Madden, my quarterback. Suck at Madden. He, you clearly don't suck at he Madden. He beat me in the playoffs last season. He does not suck at Madden. He, he keeps on saying, oh, me, I suck, me, I suck. Yeah. I do. Very good uh, East and Italian yeah, accent. Yeah, like I, went, I, I teleported to RDP. Well done. I took over their accent and I just spoke to Stefano so he can understand. You are now our leader. I am now your leader. leader. And you feel better, don't you? <laughs> I feel freaking great, man. Steph, of course. He's uh, Italian. Nothing better. Steph, Nick Schaefer yes, of uh, Man Goose, formerly Baby Sharks and Flamant Food Teams, we've uh, we've been uh, familiar with uh, doing the podcast in the past couple seasons. Um, they've improved dramatic, dramatically. Uh, what, to what do you attribute to success? Honestly, I feel like uh, Nick Schaefer, he learned from uh, when he started out. Because when he started out, he used to always go deep. And uh, used to force throws, but now he, he seems to keep calm and uh, stay within his limits. He has an arm. We all know that he has an arm. He can 
throw it like 60 yards. But his his issue was always uh, forcing throws that weren't there and always going for the big play. So I feel like now that he uh, reduced it and uh, he figured, let me let me storm the field slowly, slowly, that attributed to his success and his rapid increase. Yeah, so uh, what I, one thing I noticed, Terry, is, is the way he read the field was very tackle-oriented, uh, that he would look specifically on the sidelines, like, are the corners open? No, okay, then that means, therefore, I need to check down to the sideline. And he would fall into, like, some of the trap defenses that we call in FPF. Like the uh, four ones? Four ones. Or the, I remember famously on a podcast, I talked about how uh, oh, be Power was a huge underdog to Flamafu. And we played this crazy defense where the three, I would just say, like, pick a side. Just sprint to the sideline because you, you have time to get there because he's, uh, he's throwing... The three is always the dropping. first, right? Okay. And he would just ignore the middle of the field. So I was like, just pick a side. We're going to be wrong sometimes. We'll be right sometimes. And that's like two picks and like a, a couple of PDs. And, and like, um, I realized it's just but that's because it's a tackle thing of throw to the sides, yeah. keep your players safe, keep your plays safe, that kind of thing. You know? Tackle quarterbacks always look to the sideline. It's, they stretch corners, outs. And it's even, if, even on slants and drags and stuff, it rarely comes in. If, if, it doesn't come, if it doesn't come completely across the field, yeah. you, it'll never end in the middle. Until they really learn how to play with FPF. Yeah, like it's, it's, it needs to be comp- like a hot, like like a fire pass immediately, or like you said, once he gets across the field, not a danger. Which in FPF, there's no danger. You can just put it right in there and 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 uh, and let your guy go get it. Um, so that's that's some of the things that we've noticed about Nick Schaefer. His physical talent has always been impressive. However, uh, Steph Marc Antoine Vien. 11 catches, 116 yards, three touchdowns for two and a half downs this past week. I was at that game. It was pretty impressive to see them going back and forth with Braves. You, just one of the most fun games. It was game of the week. Just slightly outvoted uh, the supply and command and EZW game. Uh, but what do you think makes him such a good fit for the two and a half downs offense? Honestly, the way the two and a half downs offense is built is uh, built around like the safety blankets. Uh, we've seen uh, many times that uh, they it's uh, they, they always look to uh, they look down the field and then once they see that nothing's there they just throw it up to Marc Antoine Vienne and he always seems to find an opening in the space so and he runs it up he's very tough to tackle for a big guy he's pretty quick I've seen it myself I always think he's gonna get tackled as soon as he catches the ball but he always finds a way to make the first defender miss and after that it's just uh, he finds openings and he's usually the red zone guy because he's got some steady hands. And uh, he's uh, he's very dependable when it's in the red zone. That's why his touchdowns come from short yardage mostly. But I feel like the safety blanket is a key for the two and a half downs offense. Mm-hmm. He um, he was a running back actually uh, when he played tackle football, and he now reminds me of the ball in the first Indiana Jones movie. Like when that shit's coming at you, you don't want to flag him at all. Like you want to get the hell out the way as quickly as possible. There isn't a dude who runs harder in FPF uh, than Mav. Um, why do you think? Sorry, uh, Sony Sony Elias of uh, Chocolate Barracudas has improved uh, dramatically as well. He's been on a tear this season. He um, he's thrown twenty touchdowns, one interception. You've seen Chocolate Barracudas a lot. You've been you've been the past score kept a lot of Division Six games. Uh, does this surprise you? That he's he's done so well, and and did you expect this from him when you first saw him join the team? Uh, well, to be honest, yes, I have seen them in Division Six, and uh, he, he seems to have adjusted nicely to uh, the, that level of competition. So I feel like he's a bit above that kind of tier as we speak right now. But honestly, when he started off, it was tough. He was he he didn't really understand 
FPS quarterback mechanics and such, and he wouldn't really read the defenses that are usually not that strong in the lower tiers or divisions. So I feel like now he realizes what it takes to, to get the job done, and that's why I was very surprised that he has a 20 to 1 ratio. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. expecting that because he's known to be a guy that would, uh, you know, if his team is trailing, he usually force the ball and uh, throw some picks, some crucial interceptions at the end of uh, games when he really can't afford to do so. So it's, it's good to see him adjust and uh, learn that uh, the, the, the mechanics of uh, what it takes to win in those lower tiers. So the level of competition, he knows what it is, and uh, he, he adjusts and then he made it work. Yeah, exactly. Um, again, an impressive rise for sure, but uh, definitely, definitely the level of play that he's playing at now is not what we saw when we first saw him with that team. Um, when I was at the field on Monday, I, I, I told Simon, you got a big lead, just bleed it, don't turn it over, and he immediately threw an interception on the next play. Um, as, a sco- as a scorekeeper, what is a similarly weird decision you've seen uh, I call this story time with Steph. All right. Well, I'm not much of a storyteller, but here it goes. I've been in FES since 2016, so I've seen my fair share of very stupid decisions from quarterbacks. <laughs> that being said, honestly, the one that always sticks with me is uh, EZW had a 13-point lead with two and a half minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. So that should and be an EZW. It should be an EZW. It ended up being a not-so-EZW. But it could have been much easier. So Jeremy White, we all know him as the running quarterback. He extends the play. So he's up two and a half minutes left. He's up by 13 points. He throws a pick six. Okay, they failed the convert. That's fine. Then immediately after that, his first throw of his next drive throws another pick six with like a minute left. Thankfully, the the opposition doesn't know how to convert on extra points. So they ended up winning. But honestly, I saw that. I'm like, that's like Simon level terrible yeah, decision is. making absolutely like, that's pretty bad I mean uh, I, I would consider that like Simon P's terrible decision making I guess it's a thing with uh, quarterbacks that hey, which is weird because Jeremy is usually the complete opposite of uh, P's and uh, Simon he actually runs yeah and uh, yeah also, he runs like, and he actually makes you... people miss without I... getting away with a chubby guy flag guarding yeah yeah that being said, Good that learning. was by far the stupidest decisions I've seen. Like, honestly, about two and a half minutes left. You, all you have to do is run and get a first down game over, let's just say. Time runs. But no, he throws a pick six. That's fine. Okay. He made a mistake. He, there's no shot he's going to do it again. And I was wrong. He did it immediately <laughs> after. Not even the second after. throw. Immediately. His first throw back on the field, he did it again. And I'm like, all right, well, this was terrible. Thankfully, he was playing a team that, that wasn't very good with the converts. The conversion during the season was awful. But, yeah, that was by far the stupidest quarterback decision like, yeah, I've seen in my three years with FPS. Yeah, so that's, that is kind of – I feel like if they just punted both times, like in retrospect, if they just punted and made the other team drive the field, it would have taken longer than two and a half minutes. Like two exactly. and a half minutes just to like, all right, punt, set the bags, play like, you know, three men deep and make them drive the field with hooks, get a touchdown, they pick the ball back – Set the bags, punt, set the bags again. Like, no, it depends who's repping. It's true, it's true. It does depend who's repping. Uh, some refs, I don't remember the two and a half minutes takes yeah, 45 seconds. Yeah. So. Some refs, uh, 44 that. minutes takes uh, 13 minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, definitely that is that is strange. Have you had a – because, Terry, you used to score keep as well. You've seen a lot of games. Do you have a strange, strange uh, deci- like decision that haunts you? 
not, not as a player in the study, but something you've seen. Oh, man. I can't think of it now, but I have a terrible memory with these things. Like, I'll remember them only when somebody else mentions them. All right. Uh, that was useless. I mean, I'm trying to go back to all the dumb mistakes I made as a quarterback. Man. You got one? One on the top of your head? Yeah. So, um, game was 0-0 zero, zero up until, like, the last five minutes of, um, of the game. Um, we scored 6 nothing. They scored... And on the extra point, oh, sorry, no. So they scored on the extra point. He took it back. I don't know why I threw this play. He took it back all the way to the one yard line. I caught him at the one, and I mm -hmm. tackled him. So it was six nothing for us. They drive the field. They score with the extra point. So they're up seven six. Two plays left. I, the first play, I hit it to my receiver Yakub, who takes it to like the ten yard line. Um, I decided the next play. I decided to run, and guess who didn't make it into the end zone. <laughs> Terry Tats. Yeah. Terry Tats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Um, yeah, that's pretty bad. By the way. Nobody asked you, Stefan. <laughs> okay. Well, nobody asked you to keep rejecting my head to head invitation, but you keep so doing on, it. I don't know if you're watching. So instead of telling me to self fornicate, why don't voice? you man up and actually challenge me to a game? So match. I put on, on the page, I put interview with Stefan Oberardi, good at Madden. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I'm not good at Madden. I mean, I I'm would sure. disagree. Terry disagrees. Democratic process, you're wrong. Um, I have to, I have That's some news. democracy. I have some news from the commissioner. The schedule is going to be one day late because of issues with the scheduling, so it'll be done tomorrow instead of tonight. Schedule tomorrow. There you go. Um, Breaking Steph, news. Erzans and have gone one and three but lost to three teams that are now in a superior bracket. Will they dominate the lower tier one bracket? I see the problem with Rizal Smedic this year, I've seen two of the games, and they're always short men. So mm -hmm. that's the, their record doesn't speak for their level of talent on that team. So I feel like now that they are in the lower bracket, it seems like it was a plan all along for them to, you know, let's, let's tank. Well, they were, you know, they, just were one of the teams, they were one of the teams in either the first Fall Cup or the second one that got screwed with, this, with a, you know, they, they, they did really well in their, their initial tier and got bumped up and then, like, had to play, like, the finest and D-Boys and, like, they had the hardest schedule by far and then, like, went 0-3 in the next round, obviously, because they're not a Division One team, right? So I feel like they kind of, like, you know what, that's not going to happen to us again. I don't, I don't think necessarily that, like, they did it on purpose, but I feel like they're not panicking that they went 1-3 to start. No, they're not worried. They, they honestly, they, they have a, an attitude that they just play to have fun. And honestly, I see these guys play it. They, they could be getting blown out and they still laugh it off and such. Jesse Dupuis does not get upset. No. Uh, they only get, he only gets upset if he gets hit as a quarterback, obviously, like most but quarterbacks as, would. But, as a but quarterback, that's only, this is the only time I've seen yeah. him get upset is if, if someone made contact with him. Or else I always see him with a smile on his face. No. I will I will say, and Terry, you can probably speak this too. When you get hit as a quarterback, Steph, it's a weird feeling. Like you're, you're so vulnerable, and you don't see it coming because you're looking downfield. Especially when somebody hits you low, it's the worst, worst feeling. Uh, I, I I know the only OC I've gotten in, in FPF is I got up and immediately started screaming at Leo, who did not <laughs> see it. It wasn't his fault. You can't call something you didn't see. And we've since, by the way, the, the mechanics have changed, so the referees actually stay with the quarterback longer oh, really? to be able to see whether Makes or not just contact after the pass. But especially low divisions, a lot of rec uh, rushers are reckless yeah. and will dive at a guy's legs like a full two seconds after the ball's out of his hands. Yeah. Like that's incredibly dangerous, and, and it, it, like for me, I would I would get enraged. I, I I couldn't. You couldn't even talk to me. I would just lose my mind. For sure. I mean, everybody has to go to work the next day. I mean, except for me. But whatever. Yeah. So yeah. So thank you, Stefano, for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, bud. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. No, we'll try and get Terry ah, yeah, yeah, to yeah. duck you in Madden. 
Yeah, yeah goodbye, Stefan. Hey, goodbye. Terry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So a couple of quick things before we go. Uh, I'll just do the, the Braves topic number one games of the week, Terry. Um, Braves, you have a, perhaps a lesson in play design to offer us of FPF. They came into FPF as a little bit of the uh, outsider, as you know. Um, and a play that they've, they've run a lot, especially on converts, but even, like, let's say, from midfield, is um, they run a throwback play where a guy drops back immediately, and then uh, they have a guy then streaking down the sideline as well. So if the corner attacks, Joe, like if the corner immediately attacks the uh, the second QB, he, uh, Joe Mayer at 15 yards, basically on the line, throws it to the streaking receiver. So who's so the... Who's the Se- the I believe it's the half dropping. So the half dropping. Oh, he doesn't get or the or ball. Or the half, or the half does. Sorry. Okay, so he doesn't have the ball yet. He doesn't have the ball. Okay, okay. Uh, I think it though actually the wide drives and it's like a wheel up the sideline. Yeah. Um, and then um, if the corner who's lined up in front of the wide receiver jumps to take the 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 second quarterback, yeah. he throws it on the line. So like not a fly at like streak. forty yards, but fly at like 10, 12 yards. And then catches it in stride inside in in the middle of the coverage. Exactly. Um, it's a good play. And I've seen it run over and over and over, and I've seen teams know it's coming and not even have a defense for it. Is this sort of like one of the things like triple slants that's like going to be the next most copied play in a Maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, or you I just you need a cannon, I guess, to be. Able I Although Joma is like that's not his biggest, it's not his greatest strength, it's not his arm strength. No, no, no. He has uh, he throws off his back foot and it gets there because he throws it further than the receiver. The receiver always has to catch up to him. Yeah, um, it's a smart throw. It's not a good. But it's like he yeah. he throws with brain power exactly more than arm strength <laughs> exactly. So the thing about that is that there's always a new play that comes in, and their offense is a lot similar to you can so this is offense only because we've copied a few of their plays, and they run a very good offense and they're very creative in the way they play too. But I did realize who they have, and from there that's where they go. Like, okay, let's try this, and that's actually a really interesting play because a lot of guys when it's a broken play like that, the the quarterback is just looking to get more time. Right, mm-hmm. so he'll throw it to the uh, the half dropping, and then the half will just throw it back to the quarterback, so the quarterback has more time. But yeah. that's only if the half does if the if the DB doesn't drop to the to the guy dropping to the second quarterback. So it's a good play if only if the guy drops if he if he goes right to the second to the second quarterback. If he doesn't, but if not, they throw it back and forth until someone. It's gets a, it's a waste. Yeah. So you're hoping for that to happen. Yeah. Um, so do teams just have to not send a rusher, a second rusher? No, you have to all the time. So then what, what do you do? How do you defend it? <laughs> you just have to make sure that you're playing cover three so you can see the entire... But the they'll only, like, like my guess is they run it knowing, like... Or or what you do is you, you lock up man to the guy, to the to the wide out. But you know that if it's like a wheel and he throws it, like, he'll, he'll ahead of the receiver... Yeah, he'll throw the wheel for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's a tough play, but it's also, it's a bang-bang play. You can't really... It's not. It won't work three times in a row. So it's only going to work. No, in no. It's, it's like a specialty yeah. play that That's it. they'll run. Let's say f- three to five times a game. Like, uh, have you have you seen this run against you guys? I don't think so. Playing against Braves? Not that I know. Of. I noticed it twice this season. I don't know if it's like new to to fall. Maybe it's because they're playing with different people. They're trying to change things up. I don't know. Could be. Could be. But I don't remember. They threw it like JD Chevalier, and then and then it's whoever's coming up the sideline. Basically. Yeah, but I don't remember seeing them do it against us, and we played them plenty. That's what I'm saying. So I think it might be something new that they've instituted this fall. It's a really, really small, pr- smart play. Against. I know something about it with Corey Wallace the sideline today. Just something I thought was interesting. Something maybe we can look out for. Hopefully, we'll catch it on Game of the Week or in um, or at the uh, Cup Finals coming up soon. Terry, what time is it? 
It is games of the week, but we don't know the games. Yeah, you got to pick them at random. And then but we no, we don't know them because the schedule's not out. Oh, yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Terry, for filling in. <laughs> Thank you, Eagle, for leaving when we're the busiest. Um... Thank you all for watching and mostly thank thank you all for letting me be myself. <laughs>